It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. There are few places in the world as unrelentingly hot as a city in a late July heat wave. Oh, those who have the chance to see the world without a rifle in their hands may speak in hushed, awed tones of the great Gobi Desert, with its vast tracts of arid, empty space, or of the steaming Amazon jungle, rife with strange and exotic life. Nuts to them, I say. The sky above had been clear and blue and postcard perfect for nine straight days. The sun beat down from above as if it had just remembered our little, often grey, corner of the globe and was making up for lost time. Every morning it pierced the low-hanging haze with a deep, amber fire and began anew the task of baking everything in range to a delicate crisp. By two in the afternoon, the pavement below had absorbed so much heat that there was no shelter from it, however far a fella ducked into whatever trickles of shade still ran. By the time the sun rolled west in another explosion of blood-red fire, the heat trails from the streets and sidewalks brought an underwater quality to the cityscape and completed the illusion that you were a lobster well on your way to meeting your maker or a guy in a paper bib, whichever came first. The million stories in the naked city were as one voice, praying for the very winter winds they had finally wished away last April. There were times when it paid to be your own boss, even if it meant you worked for a skinflint who never once made with the fat Christmas bonus. And on the ninth straight day of heat and haze, a small card appeared in the doorway of the mighty world headquarters of Justice and Dixon Private Investigations. Wedged neatly between the grey-green doorframe and the smoked glass from which our painted monikers had yet to melt and fall to the floor, we regret that our current slate of investigations do not permit us to speak with you just now, the card proclaimed in her ladyship's neatest printing. Please call for an appointment or slip a message through the slot below. The only person that our current slate of investigations did not permit us to speak to was the landlord, but it sounded better than have fled to nearest air conditioner back in January. Not so fast, Ryder. Keep those hands where I can see them. What? Quiet. Think you're pretty slick, don't you, Sunshine? But you gotta get up pretty early to get one past Anna Castle. I got up at 6.15. Can I go now? Shut up. Have some popcorn. I got all the corn I can use right here, thanks. Take it easy, tall, dark, and nasty, or I'll plug you right between the eyebrows. It might take a hedge trimmer to clear a target, but I got the time if you do. I didn't even understand that. Jack, for Pete's sake, I'm trying to watch the movie. What good is banter you can't even understand? Jack! You're probably wondering how I knew it was you. Actually, I was wondering where you got that gun. It was in the package. What package? The package she mailed to herself from the train station. So you see, I've had you pegged all along. You're nothing but a dirty little four-flusher, are you? Oh, you put on fine airs and look down your nose at the great unwashed. But when push comes to shove, you're just a desperate little man. And there's nothing more pathetic than a desperate man. She mailed herself a package. From the train station. With a gun in it? Shut up. Who mails themselves a gun? Who's that guy? What guy? The guy she just shot. Doesn't matter much now, does it? Don't look at me like that. 
could have just as easily have been me lying there as you. If you'd played things just a little smarter, if I'd just been a little slower. She knows that the guy's dead, right? Jack! But sometimes that's the way it goes. The line between life and death, between pleasure and pain, well, it's paper thin. And what side you end up on is a toss of a coin. Well, at least they worked the title in before the credits. I was starting to wonder. Let's get out of here. I'll tell you, I've seen some pretty lousy pictures in my day, but that one's got the blue ribbon. Hey, you can't bring that dog in here! The time to mention that would probably have been on the way in. Get out of here! Since the only alternative is sitting through toss of a coin again, I accept. Come on, King, let's leave the kennel to Rin Tin Tin here. I can't believe it. It's actually getting hotter. I may rethink sitting through the picture again. No thanks. Come on, they didn't notice us sneaking in the first time. Do you honestly think I would sit through that picture with you again? I grant you, it was pretty bad. How would you know? You talked through the entire thing. The only times you weren't talking, you were snoring. I don't snore. Then why did you bring a chainsaw to the picture? Shut up. I'd have stayed awake if the story was better. Kind of a chicken and egg proposition, partner. The movie would have made more sense if you'd actually heard any of it. That's the whole point. I thought the 30-degree temperature drop was the point. Come on, Trixie. What kind of slack-jawed moron is going to go out of their way to see some cornball shtick with Anna Castle, hard-as-nails lady detective? I mean... Oh. Yeah. Oh. I should probably tread carefully, yes? No, Jack. What you should probably do is stop time, take three steps back, and then tread carefully. But since you can't manage that, what you really ought to do is duck. Luckily... Mighty King, the office watchdog chose precisely that moment to haul yours truly forward in the general direction of an interesting-looking fireplug, and the rest of the way back to the office, I managed to stay three steps ahead of Trixie. Say what you want about the girl detective, but she has yet to shoot me in the back. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. There are several reasons why I didn't give in to temptation and riddle the back of old Squarejaw's badly wrinkled suit with thirty-eight caliber air vents. None of them was very impressive on their own, but when you put them all in a line, they made a pretty decent case. The deal-breaker was this. My birthday was months away, and I've always thought that when I finally kill the big knucklehead, it'll be a special present to myself. By the time we had returned to the three-story walk-up that housed our shabby little corner of the great halls of justice, the stinking heat of the evening had made the entire exercise of hiding from the stinking heat of the day more than a little pointless. King was in a lather... Jack's hat sported a new depth of sweat stains, and even I, delicate flower that I am, felt like I'd spent an hour in a Turkish bath. There was a singular dearth of desperate messages in the basket beneath the mail slot in our door, suggesting that the forces of good and evil in the universe had failed to notice that we'd been playing hooky. There was only an evening paper, mistakenly pushed through the slot by a heat-addled newsboy. It was half-past six, and we were closed... But none of us could quite summon the strength to face the outside just yet. King jumped in the red leather chair and gave us a look that dared us to object. Jack flopped his broken-down body in his broken-down desk chair and sprawled as best he could, one foot on his desk, one on the radiator, looking for all the world like a big lizard sleeping on a rock. I settled down on the sofa by the window and glanced at the paper in preparation for turning it into a big fan. Before I could make with the origami, something caught my eye. Hey, did you see this? I'd say see what, but unless the answer is the inside of my hat, the answer's no. There was a burglary. There usually is. Over on Atlantic, a private art collection. Private and portable, by the sound of it. That's the thing. They didn't take the whole collection, or even the most valuable pieces. These kids today. Does King have water? Why don't you look? I'd have to move my hat. He's fine. Shut up a minute. You first. 
The theft was first noticed around two o'clock this afternoon when the collections owner, a Mr. Diogenes, returned home after a two-day business trip. According to a police spokesman, at some point during Diogenes' absence, one or more persons entered his yada yada yada. Did you just trail off, or did I fall asleep? All that was stolen. There she is. All that was stolen was a small jade figure of a cat, one of a set of three, valued at over three thousand dollars. Doesn't that sound strange? What sounds strange is that you are still talking when I am clearly not listening. Jack, get a grip. The figure stolen was of a cat crouching, ready to pounce, while those left behind featured cats sitting serenely and sleeping. So what? Milo Diogenes has offered a reward for the return of the figure of eight hundred dollars. Oh my God! That got your attention. Someone actually named their child Milo Diogenes. Parents can be so cruel. Jack, think about this, will you? Somebody breaks into a private art collection and all they take is one crouching cat made of jade. Is this a decorating faux pas? You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Even less than usual. And the thought of an eight hundred dollar reward doesn't get your wheels turning just a little. Tricks. I'd like to keep the ledger in the black as much as the next fella, and I'm not above the occasional wild goose chase to make it happen. But in this kind of heat, Mister Justice is not moving sans retainer, Jade Kitten notwithstanding. That's your final word on the subject. I can only pray that it is. Yes. Fair enough. See you in the morning. You calling it a day? Yes, it is officially a day. You taking King? You keep him tonight. I've got a few errands to run. Errands in this weather? Neither snow nor sleet nor such and such. And these errands require you to take the Beretta, do they? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And yet you're packing it anyway. I noticed that. These errands don't happen to involve a certain jade cat, do they? Do they? Hey, don't be like that. Be like what? Competent or conscious? Guess I'm shut-eyed, Peaches. You can read all about it in the morning edition. And with that, she was gone. I admit it got under my skin a little. Ten minutes after the pane of smoked glass had stopped rattling behind her, I actually pried myself out of my chair and picked up the newspaper she'd left behind. There was little of interest beyond what she'd read me. The police were baffled. The insurance company was baffled. The unfortunately named Milo Diogenes was baffled. Every man jack of them. What made her highness think she'd gleaned some swell insight from four paragraphs on page seven, I couldn't say. Whatever it was, she couldn't have thought it was very important, or she'd never have left it behind for yours truly to get ink all over his fingers perusing. Fine, she wanted to chase wild geese. Fine, me, I had prior commitments of my own. As the reluctant king and I made our way to the neighborhood watering hole where our old pal Freddie the Finger Hawthorn awaited us for a scheduled rendezvous, I couldn't get one thought out of my mind. If Trixie Dixon, girl detective, sashayed in the office door in the morning with either a jade cat or its eight hundred dollar equivalent, she would lord it over me until the end of time. Freddie, let me ask you something. Uh oh, here it comes. What? Here what comes? The favor. What favor? Don't give me that. Give you what? You know when the last time you asked old Freddie out for a quiet drink without asking for a favor was? Last Tuesday. Well. Okay, last Tuesday, but before that, we went to the ball game two weeks ago. Does that count? I don't think. Well, yes. Given that, I seem to have chosen an unfortunate moment in the history of our friendship to raise this particular issue. Thank you. I concede the moral high ground and yield the floor to the gentleman whose turn it is to buy the round. A nice save. Two more here. Now, what's on your mind, Jackie? Without taking this the wrong way. Yes. If you were going to pilfer, say, a private art collection, where and when, Freddie? Yeah. Remember how I said not to take this the wrong way? You weren't proposing a job, were you? Not as such. 
Her ladyship read about a robbery tonight, and it got between her teeth for some reason. The whole thing sounds so screwy, I just thought it might be missing something, and thought I'd make use of your considerable, if entirely hypothetical, experience with such matters. Hypothetically, of course. Of course. What's the rumpus? Assume that a private art collector is out of town. Couple of days, though you may or may not know that at the time. Right. What's the first thing you take? Whatever I know, I can move. Whatever I came in for. Not the most valuable thing in the room? Mostly, but sometimes the big ticket items are too hard to unload. They're too unique. Or they'd have every bull in the county gunning for you. That kind of thing. So the prize pig is only the prize pig? If you can move it without getting barbecued. Hypothetically, of course. What about portability? How big an issue is that? Depends on the plan. The less finesse, the more I might hypothetically stuff my pockets and run. So if someone walked through a big collection and only took a jade cat about six inches tall... Maybe they knew where they could move it. I know three fences move a lot of jade, all in Chinatown. So maybe they had a jade connection. So why would they take one figure and leave the other two? What other two? They took a crouching cat and left its brothers behind. Hypothetically? No, for real. Oh, what's simple. Is it? Sure. They're out of their minds. Freddy. Don't Freddy me, Jackie. Unless there was hypothetical guard dogs chasing me, there's no way in the hypothetical world I'd break up a set like that, unless every other pocket was full. Nuts. A jade cat, you said. Crouching? Yeah. Huh. Just like that movie. What movie? Uh, Alice made me take her to some picture last week. One of those B-movies with the lady detective. Uh, What's her name? Anna Castle? That's the one. She sees them all. Me? I can't stay awake. I think this one was called... Toss of a coin? Yeah. Yeah, there was was a jade cat in that one, just like you said. What was it? What happened? I don't know, Jackie. You know, it's more of a lady's picture. Not tonight it isn't, Frederick. Drink up. If we're going to beat my partner to the punch... We'll have to get up pretty early in the morning to beat Anna Castle. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. I'm sure that one or two of you will note with surprise and even a note of dismay that your intrepid girl detective has a soft spot in her heart for the ribald tales of adventure that are the Anna Castle mystery movies. Sure, you say, a smug smile of satisfaction settling across your soon-to-be fat lip. Those pictures may thrill the housewives, but a real, actual detective like you falling for those corny pictures? What of it, I say? I like a nice, hard-boiled detective story as much as the next girl with an active imagination and a thirty-eight strapped to her thigh. The trouble is, every time I see one of those noir pictures, half the men and all the detectives remind me of Jack. And frankly... Forgetting all about Jack is usually half the purpose in going into the pictures in the first place. And it wasn't hard to see that I had company. The Anna Castle movies did very well in a B-picture kind of way. And they did it all without too many men types in the lineups. Clearly, many a member of the sisterhood was just as eager as I to forget their own Jack Justices, if only for a little while. Toss of a Coin was the fifth installment in the series. It may not have been a classic but it was a solid enough outing if you could get past the fact that the protagonist was a tough-talking lady P.I. who never needed rescuing. As I was one myself, I could. So could row upon row of women in the audience, together with a handful of bored husbands, boyfriends just as bored but trying not to look it, and Jack, 
who snored openly throughout the second, third, and fourth reels. The plot was solid if uninspired, and resolved as these things so often do around a missing and greatly desired object of some mystery. In this case, it was, you guessed it, a jade figure of a cat, crouching and ready to pounce, more or less exactly like the one that had gone missing from Milo Diogenes' collection. Toss of a coin had been out almost two weeks, and it didn't take much to guess that some overheated imagination had finally gone a little over the deep end. And that was the whole problem. Sure, Lieutenant Sabian and his flat-footed orchestra had almost certainly never seen an Anna Castle mystery. Ditto the insurance investigators. But it was only a matter of time before somebody who could do something about it made the connection. I wanted that someone to be me, and I wanted it $800 bad. To say nothing of making Sleeping Beauty look like an idiot, which was always fun. The smart money said talk to Diogenes, try and get the name of whatever females might tend to be about the place and have seen the jade cat, know it was there and how to get it. A secretary, a sister, a girlfriend, if aging bachelor art collectors went in for that kind of thing. One of them would be a secret Anna Castle fiend looking for a souvenir. But when there was no answer at the Diogenes place, I let the ticking clock push me further out on a limb, to say nothing of mixing my metaphors. I wonder just how far our fanatic might have taken this. There was no metro hotel in town, but there was a metrolite. Maybe an old friend could help a girl out. I'd like to speak to Elf McKinney, please. Right behind you. So you are. I didn't see you there. I get that a lot. Don't be like that. You're the one that never called. You threw a whiskey bottle at my head. For some girls, that's just a very aggressive come-hither smile. Uh-huh. And I suppose you tripped your delicate way over here just to make nice. Does it really matter why I came by now that I'm here? It's nice to know that after all these years, I still give the general impression that I was born yesterday. See? That kind of banter is why I let you get me drunk enough to pitch a whiskey bottle at your head. Is that supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I honestly couldn't say. I'm sure I knew when I started that sentence. What do you want, Trixie? The same as any girl elf. The moon, the stars, the name of whoever's staying in room 319. Room 319? Why? My guess is she's got a bob cut just above shoulder length. Probably light brown or dirty blonde. And unless I miss my guess, she never goes anywhere without a broad-brimmed hat pulled low over the left eye and a trench coat with the collar pulled up. You don't miss a trick, do you? Not if she constantly rolls a cigarette between her fingers. You're good. Thanks. Not so good you don't need the name out of the register. It isn't Marla Pierce, is it? That's the name in the book. Keep it there. It ain't real anyway. If you know all this, what do you need me for? Bring a bottle by later and I'll show you. Nice. She in? Sure, I just saw her go up. Funny thing, I didn't see her go out in the first place, but she's there right enough now. But tell me, how in the heck did you know all this? Listen to me, Buster, and listen good. You've got exactly one hour to figure out which side of this crazy dance you are on. This movie made more sense when I slept through it. (laughs) Yeah? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Meet me at the Metro Hotel, room 319. That's right, 319. I heard you the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be there under the name Marla Pierce. That's right, Pierce. This guy's got a hearing problem. And why check in under a phony name? And then tell everybody who's trying to kill you what it is. See? Screwy. Be quiet! I'm through playing with you, handsome. You be at the Metro Hotel, room 319, in one hour or you're out. 
hear me? Ouch. Don't let me out already. <laughs> Quiet! You two have done nothing but sit and snicker through the entire show. Do you honestly think people pay good money to hear you talk through a movie? Do you think we find this entertaining? Lady, some movies it can only help. <laughs> Uh, yes? Wow. I gotta hand it to you, sister. You really nailed the costume. The, uh, I'm sorry? 100% Anna Castle, right down to the completely impractical shoes. Oh, I, uh, uh thank you. Too bad you got a little carried away with the plot. I think you have mistaken me for someone else. Maybe so. The hotel register certainly does. It seems to think you're Marla Pierce. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Listen, Sweet Pea, you're not the first person to ever get a little mixed up at the pictures. I had an uncle on my mother's side who thought he was Jolson for eight months. Come to think of it, we don't really talk about him much. Bad example. Uh, listen, I think you should go. I'll go, all right, but I'm taking the Jade Cat with me. Oh. There's a long, slow echo in this place. <laughs> Listen, Peaches, I don't know what your game is, and I don't much care. You made a mistake, and I'm perfectly willing to let it slide. Eight hundred dollars willing, in fact. Uh, that cat doesn't belong to you. And it doesn't belong to you. Come to think of it, even in the picture, it doesn't belong to Anna Castle or Marla Pierce. And you're not Marla Pierce, are you? No, I am. Don't move, kitten. Keep your paws where I can see them. Two Anna Castles. <laughs> I miss this picture. Get inside. Close the door. I've got enough going on without you dizzy dames battering down my door every ten minutes. I'm sorry. I didn't get a program on the way in. Which Anna Castle are you? I told you once. I'm Marla Pierce. Okay, swell. Don't get excited. I'll ask the one without a pistol. What about you? Uh, my name is Mavis. Mavis Byrne. I, I work in the typing pool at the newspaper. I heard about the robbery, the Jade Cat, and I thought it sounded just like toss of a coin, and I thought that... You thought you'd try a wild hunch and play Anna Castle at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Which is why the house dick thought you were the same woman who was registered to this room under a phony name. The two of you must have bought off the same rack. What about you, sweetheart? Late for choir practice? The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. <laughs> oh, sure. What? You're a fine one to talk about phony names. Sure. I may have bought a new hat and a raincoat for this, but at least I'm not crazy. <laughs> Why, I oughta... You oughta nothing. You two goonie birds are cramping my style. I'm expecting a gentleman caller, and I don't have time to deal with you two. Fortunately, I've got plenty of handcuffs to go round. Now sit! If you remember the second Anna Castle picture, you'll remember that over the course of a 90-minute film, she produced seven pairs of handcuffs from her bag, without ever replacing any of them. The writers dealt with this with a one-liner about a detective is always prepared. And our self-styled Marla Pierce was, too. Her handcuffs weren't proper police issue. They were a cheap knockoff with an old-fashioned twist lock, and they completely defied the old trick Blackjack had taught me for squirming out of John Law's bracelets. She cuffed me and Mavis and sat staring at the door, waiting for the knock that would bring a handsome Latin lover with two days' growth and a bag of money, ready to love her passionately and then betray her. Or at least that's what happened in the movie. She didn't talk a lot, just chain-smoked and pointed her thirty-eight in our general direction. We waited two and a half hours, during which time there were no fewer than three knocks at the door, each of which turned out to be another Anna Castle fan who had taken the leap off the deep end and come looking for adventure. Two burst into tears when they saw the pistol. One still seemed to think that the whole thing was a jolly game. She was starting to annoy me. All of them joined our little handcuffed tea party. 
By midnight, there was a different would-be girl detective shackled to every heavy piece of furniture in the room. And finally, a fourth knock came at the door. What do you want? Special delivery. What? Actually, five special deliveries at the same time. Hotel management says it's a record. Five people left the little parcel at the desk to be delivered to this room at midnight, if they didn't call for it. <laughs> so that's their game. Mailed themselves a little help, did they? Leave them there. They're a little heavy. Uh, maybe I'd better bring them all in and, and set them over here, by the window. Oh, hello, ladies. Don't mind me. <laughs> Looks like a raincoat model's convention in here. All right, wise guy. Don't move. No, sister. Don't you move. Freddy, get a gun. Got it. About time you got here. Nice sort of a thank you. Freddy, take my cups. Find some open space to lock her up. Yes, sir. So, you found me, Ryder. But you'll never find the jade cat. Hey, Freddy. Think it's wrapped up in a pillowcase and dunked in the water tank like in the movie? I know one way to find out. You two are enjoying this a little too much. We've earned it. We sat through toss of a coin. Awake. This time. Here it is, Jackie. Unlock me, you idiots. Ladies, ladies, please. I'm sure you're all excited, and I'd love to try and sort out which of you hard-boiled girl detectives is my partner, but it's getting late, and I'm only one man. What about me? Shut up. Jack? The hotel detective will be along in a moment to sort things out and take your statements. In the meantime, I have to be getting this back to its rightful owner with the silly name. Jack, I mean it. Don't look at me like that. It, it could, could just, just as, as easily have, have been me lying there as you, if you'd played things just a little smarter. Or if I'd been just a little slower. Jack! <laughs> she got over it. She didn't like losing the upper hand in front of McKinney, and she liked cutting Freddy in for an equal share even less. But she got over it. Oh, and the deranged fan. Or at least, the most deranged one. Turns out her name actually was Marla Pierce, poor thing. She worked for Diogenes' newest collection. And when she heard her own name in the picture, saw a cat like the one she saw every day, well, something under her bonnet slipped a gear somewhere and she did what she did. But like they say... But sometimes that's the way it goes. The line between life and death, between pleasure and pain, well, it's paper thin. And what side you end up on is a toss of a coin. Blackjack Justice, episode 25, A Midsummer Night's Noir, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with special guest star Mary Jo Peel, and additional voices by Tina Vaughn, Clarissa Denederlanden, Stephen Burley, Kevin Robinson, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember... DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Somewhere in the lush pastures just outside the Mutual Audio Network building. We're staying away again in Mad Doggeritaville. Lothar, give me the bottle. No. Now. No. Jack said we had to do this. For the AD community. 
Hey, Jan, we got your text. Hey, yeah, what's up? You said Brother Lothar needed us? Thanks, Jeff, Jack. Uh, yeah, Lothar. He's, well, really wasted. And he won't stop drinking. I think this one's going to take all three of us. Well, I know he likes his cocktails, but isn't this a bit early, even for him? And why is he singing about Mad Dog 2020? Jan, what's this about? Lothar, overheard you talking about Mad Con 2020, and, he misheard. Wait. Are you saying that... Yeah, he thought you said there would be three days of Mad Dog 2020, not three days of Mad Con in 2020. And he's been drinking that swill ever since. Getting out in the rain. Oh, let me talk to him. Thanks. I tried to tell him, but I think that stuff's already rotted what's left of his brain. Here, I'll take one for the team. (laughs) Hey, brother. Hey, Jeff. You here for some Mad Dog 2020? Um, yeah, but uh, they were out at the store. Can I have a swig off yours? Of course, brother. Lothar, you shouldn't be drinking that. I'm not. (laughs) Jeff is. No, 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 no. I mean, look, you heard us talking about Mad Dash Con 2020, not Mad Dog 2020. Uh, what's your bucket? Oh, 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 this stuff is almost as bad as Ripple. Mad Dash Con, the modern audio drama convention. It's the first convention of its kind, and it'll occur in 2020. A convention? Yes, yes. Producers, directors, writers, editors, composers, actors, and, and fans of audio drama are going to come from all over to Halifax, Nova Scotia for the weekend of July 24th to the 26th of 2020. We have all sorts of things scheduled. We have recording sessions and workshops, panels, and the opportunity for folks, fans, and creators alike to meet in person. www.mad-con.com That's mad-con.com has all the details, including how to register. That's... That's a really cool idea, man. Oh, that's much better than drinking this stuff. Oh... God, I've only had three sips, and I'm not sure I can feel my face. Oh, Come on, honey, let's get you back inside. Thanks, guys. No problem, Lady Jan. We're not going to let him live this one down anytime soon, are we? Oh, I should think not. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Remember to listen and drink responsibly, listeners. Mad Dash Con 2020. Not to be confused with any kind of fortified wine. Oh. Amigos!